I feel like going back today and working some more on the offense thing. Is that okay with y'all? Well, I'm going to do it anyway, so. I wasn't looking. I was afraid to look. I didn't want to see nothing come flying at me. We're going to do what God's given us. That's exactly right. That's what we're going to do. We're going to follow his leading on it. We've talked about how offense is the one thing that the devil will use, and it comes in all kinds of forms, all kinds of shapes. It is a trap. When you get in the trap, there's only one way out of it, and that's his way. The reason most of us get in the trap and don't come out of the trap is because we refuse to obey God and do it his way. Something called forgiveness. Usually most offenses can be dealt with whenever true forgiveness comes in and that's how you get out of the trap. He did tell us in his word that, you know, we're going to be tempted, there's going to be things that are going to come our way, but he will leave the way of escape, not a way. I've heard people use the verbiage, uh, God will leave a way of escape. It's not a way, it is the way. That's what the scripture says. Therefore, there is the way, and that's the only way. It's better to avoid getting in the trap. It's better to be able to see on the horizons the things that the devil's going to use and stay away from it. Sometimes we can't. The neat thing about God, folks, boy, get ready for this because you're just going to want to shout when I say it. If you fail the test, you get to take it again. Boy, don't that just make you like, whoo, jump up and shout. I hated it the first time. Well, here's the thing. You don't have to go through it the next time if you do it God's way. Know this, though. The devil will come back with what works against us. He's keeping notes, too. And if he can keep us tripped up, that's exactly what he will do. He'll find a way. I know for a fact that he does not like this particular series of messages. Because it just gets all up in his business and it throws curveballs and puts crooks and it just breaks up his plans all together when believers walk this. Now we got brothers and sisters that cannot sometimes walk this. What's our job? We help them through it as best we can. We're going to find out sometimes that's a hard thing to do. Simply because they don't want help. It's the isolation of Satan. When you go hunting, or have you ever watched Wild Kingdom? Y'all remember, I know some of y'all remember back in the day with Merlin and his assistant Tom. You know, my assistant Tom, Merlin was always in the helicopter, and you saw these lines and all these big things. You'd see the helicopter shadow fly over, but Tom was always the guy having to get out of the helicopter and go shoot a dart in a, you know, 2,000-pound animal that's raging toward him and, you know, handcuff him, so to speak. It was always Tom's job to do that. Now, Merlin, he, he got in there once it was safe, but that was Tom's job. I don't know why I just told you that. It, I don't know that it has any bearing, but the point is this, is the devil looks for the weak, he looks for the aged, and he looks for the young. Now, it doesn't matter how old you are. We're talking about aged as in aged Christians, grown in the faith, grown up in the faith, strong in the faith, not still eating on the milk, 
But we're actually taking some meat in now. When you take a meat in, you're building protein, you're building muscle. You're able to withstand the devil sometimes. We've got to come along our brothers, beside our brothers and sisters and help them with that. But the devil is always going about seeking whom he may destroy. I'm going to tell you again. Look around you to the people beside you. You might be sitting in here with somebody you don't particularly like. If you don't have nobody, look here, I'll be the guy for you. The point is, is this. Understand this. Satan hates you just as much as he hates me. There is no love for you or me at all from him. If we know that going in, then that means we can stand together. We learn how to fight the devil a little bit better. But we've got to do it God's way. It is righteous for God to avenge his servants. It is unrighteous for God's servants to avenge themselves. Now, is that scriptural? I'll read it again in case you didn't get it. It is righteous for God to avenge his servants. It is unrighteous for God's servants to avenge themselves. Right. He tells us that in Deuteronomy. Again, in Hebrews 10 and 30, he says, For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. And again, the Lord will judge his people. Don't worry about it. There ain't nobody getting to heaven and ain't supposed to make it. Jesus will make very good, he'll make very sure of that. Our job is to lift them up and save them from the jaws of the devil who wants them. Souls. People. Stuff don't cut it. Souls is what matters in heaven. So let's, let's keep that in mind as we move ahead. I want to take from the scripture this morning, Luke chapter 13. We're going to read from verse 6 to verse 9. And I'm going to undo my button if that's alright with y'all. My tie will probably poke out and stuff like that, but just... Try not to look. Oh, much better. I'm getting a fat neck for some reason. Starting in verse 6, he also spoke this parable. A certain man had a fig tree planted in his vineyard, and he came seeking fruit on it and found none. Now let's remember this parable. Pay attention to this. This is very important to our, our message this morning. Verse 7, Then he said to the keeper of his vineyard, Look, for three years I have come seeking fruit on this fig tree and, found, and find none. Cut it down. Why does it use up the ground? But he answered and said to him, Sir, let it alone this year also until I dig around it and fertilize it. And if it bears fruit, well. But if not, after that, you can cut it down. This morning we're going to be talking about fruit, spiritual fruit. And according to this, the master comes to the fig tree that is not bearing fruit and says, what use is it? I'm ad-libbing for you this morning. What use is it? Go ahead and cut it down. But somebody says, no, just wait a minute. Let me work on it a little bit. See if I can get it fertilized. See if I can get it aerated a little bit. I'm digging around the roots. Going to let some moisture and some air get down to those roots so that this tree can maybe recover and bear fruit, but if it don't, then you can cut it down. Brothers and sisters, as believers, that is something we need to be paying attention to because if we ain't bearing fruit, I'm not talking about stuff, 
if we ain't bearing fruit, what the Lord's talking about here, He gives us some patience. He waits on us, but He's very clear in this. We're to be looking to bear fruit. That's what He's telling us. Churches are not cafeterias. Today, men and women leave churches so readily if they see something wrong. Something wrong anywhere in it, particularly in leadership. Perhaps it is the way the pastor takes up offerings. They don't like that. Maybe he changed something. They don't like that. Maybe it is the way that the money is spent within the church. If they don't like what the pastor preaches, they leave. If they don't like how he brings about the message, they leave. If they don't like the Sunday school teacher, they leave. If they don't like the musician, they leave. We could stand here all day putting these kinds of things in there, and that is the thing that happens. Sometimes they'll say the pastor is not approachable, or he's too familiar. Either way, we just can't have the conversation. The list doesn't end. It goes on. Rather than face the difficulties and maintain hope, Many times people run to where there appears to be no conflict. Let me tell you something. When you go to a church looking for flawlessness, you will not find it. You will not find flawlessness in a church or in another believer. Won't happen. It's not going to happen. Jesus is the only perfect pastor. Did everybody follow Jesus? No, they didn't. That ought to be a clue right there. If you belong to Jesus and I belong to Jesus, we're growing to reflect Him, to be like Him, and not everybody's not going to like us. And that's okay, isn't it? So why do we in America run from difficulties instead of facing them and working through them? When we don't hit these conflicts head on, we usually will walk away from a situation offended. Do you see the trap? Uh, that's a that's a Marlon Olson is up inside. Was it Marlon Olson? Was that his name? Marlon Perkins. Marlon Olson was the NFL guy on Monday Night Football. He also was on Little House in the Prairie. You remember him? Father Murphy. Yeah, not him. The other guy. He, uh, he would be in the chopper letting Tom know where the trouble was. There's a trap over here. There's trouble there. And that's what the Holy Ghost does for you and me. He lets us know where the traps fall. I just gave you one. We can apply anything that we want to, but the thing is that when some kind of a conflict happens, we're too ready to pick up, quit, do whatever, take our toys and go home. You ever know somebody like that? Had a little boy one time that played with Ryan a lot. Ryan finally came to me and said, Dad, I don't want to play with that boy no more. I'm like, why, son? Because he always wants to do everything his way, and if he gets mad and carries his stuff home. I said, well, son. And I wasn't very Christian-y then. At the time, I was still a baby Christian. I'm like, well, son, you know, you don't have to play with him, and you ain't even got to like him. I retract that, Ryan. Where are you, son? Got to be like Jesus, buddy. Got to be like Jesus. But you see, we often get offended. You want to know what happens or how God wants you to leave a church? 
Leave a congregation where you may be. You want to know how he wants it done? Go to Isaiah chapter 56 and 12. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. Not by conflict. Not by all kinds of things that's setting and stirring up inside of you. The way that we go out is we go out with joy. Amen? Now I remember when I got the call to pastor and was giving up a career and coming into this. I had joy and I had peace about it. Therefore, it was right. I didn't know what tomorrow held. I didn't know what the next day held. I didn't know what the next five or six years held. I just knew this. I had peace about it because it's what God wanted. And so whenever we're moving, doing anything inside of our lives, we need to have peace from God. We don't need anything else motivating us. Otherwise, it isn't of God, and we find out that we can get out of God's will. Most do not leave this way. They don't, they don't follow this advice from God out of Isaiah 55 and 12. They feel the freedom to stay as long as there are no problems, but this does not agree with what the Bible teaches. You're not the one who chooses where you go to church. Did you know that? This is revelation this morning, brothers and sisters. You don't get to choose. Now, you might choose next week to go somewhere else after this message. The question is, is did God choose it? God's the one that does the choosing. The Bible doesn't say God has set the members, each of them, in the body just as they please. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 12 and 18. But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as He pleased. Now we've got to get that inside of our spirits this morning. There are going to be some troubles going to come our way as we grow as Christians, right? What are we going to do about it? We've got to talk to God. And if God says, you know what, I'm refining you in the fire, then we have to say, you know, you give praise in all things. I think the Bible says, doesn't it? we got to say, glory to God, I don't like it, but okay. The point when we get to the place we say, okay, God, I do like it, that's when it starts soaking into us. It starts getting into our fibers. It starts getting into our spirits. And then we start acting like Jesus. And that's where growth always will happen. But the devil knows that. And he doesn't want us walking down the path that growth is going to happen. Okay? Everybody just clap your hands this morning. Let's wake up. That's not for me, that's for Jesus, or that's so you can wake up. It's not for me, I don't seek that. See, if you're placed where God wants you, the devil will try everything that he can to offend you to get you out. He wants to uproot men and women from the place where God plants them. And if he can get you out of that place, he has been successful. Can I go back and what I told you earlier this morning? Don't forget the devil hates you. And I believe we can have a little bit of hating toward him on ourselves and therefore why in the world would we let him have his way? Think about it. Why do we do that? Well, we want to feed ourselves is one of the things. But he hates you. And you know what he's doing? He's doing like Marlon, I mean, uh, Marlon Perkins. I don't know why I got Marlon Olson. He's doing like Marlon Perkins and Tom. He's trying to separate you from the herd so he can put a dart in you, put you to sleep, tie you up, 
Remember what I told you several weeks ago? When you get in the trap, your spiritual walk and your effectiveness is only as long as that chain. And by the way, you can still be spiritual. I'm going to show you in just a minute. So don't think that everything is hunky-dory just because we got this going on and that going on. We're going to go there here in just a second. There's a time of critical deception. Folks, if you play with fire, you'll get burned. You ever heard that? And it's true. When an offense occurs, there are those who genuinely are concerned for an offender's welfare. Genuinely concerned, but oftentimes, when discussions and things like that happen, the fire of discontent and offense intensifies because it is... It is nurturing it. And that's something that doesn't need to happen. And if we're not careful, here's the next place, okay? We got the first one, right? The devil's trying to take us and separate us. The second one is this. If you ain't careful, you pick up somebody else's offense and now both of you are trapped. Not a good place to be, amen? Not a good place to be. So we don't need to let those things come. And that's the idea of the messages for this past little bit is to know what the devil's up to. I've told you before, he would much rather put a liquor store in a porn palace across the road. He wouldn't, he wouldn't much more rather to do that than he would to come in and to tear us up. As individuals, as families, that's what he sets out to do. Why? Because it is very powerful very powerful and many times people don't understand or know what's going on so that's what the message is for today these series of messages is so that we can see these things offended people react to the situation and do things that appear right even though they are not inspired by God we are not called to react but to act often when we feel pressure we look for a word from God to bring us relief But God puts us in these very uncomfortable situations to mature, refine, and strengthen us, not to destroy us. Let me help you. The devil does what? He hates you. God Almighty loves you. There ain't nothing you've done in this life. There ain't nothing that happened this morning before you showed up to church. There's not a thought that's in your mind while you've been sitting here this morning that will take away the love that God has for you. And the devil don't want you to know that. He don't want you to get that at all. He loves you. Loves you so much that he went to Calvary. That's where your pardon happened, was at Calvary. That's where mercy came through. It was shown at Calvary. He showed you and me how we are to act. He loves us. The devil hates us. And when we go through stuff, when we go through junk, just know he is growing you. He ain't trying to destroy none of us. It's not who he is. It's not his character. It's not his way. Those that planted flourish. Psalm 92 and 13. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. Folks, what happens if you transplant a tree every three weeks? Yeah, it'll die. Its roots will get smaller. Its root system will get smaller. It won't have any blooms. Well, if it don't have any blooms, what's it not going to have? Fruit. And then it will die. 
Many people go from church to church, ministry team to ministry team, trying to develop their ministry. If God puts them in a place where they are not recognized or encouraged or put up on a pedestal, they are easily offended. If they don't agree with the way something is done, they are offended. Then they leave and they blame the leadership or they blame someone else. That's what happens. Can I get an amen on that? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Maybe it's been you. Maybe it's been one of you. I know it was me at one time. There was a time that I was coming to church here and going good. Let something real petty get under my saddle. Just dig into my back. Huh. I'll show them. I didn't show nobody nothing. I was an idiot. But for a while, I was miserable. You know why I was miserable? Because I took matters into my own hands and didn't talk to God about it. God had another plan. I mean, you see, God had another plan. It wasn't for me to be mad. It wasn't for me to get upset. It was for me to grow in Jesus Christ. Learn how to forgive, okay? So what did I tell you a few weeks ago? There are those who are genuinely offended, been done wrong, and there are those who think they've been done wrong. Same boat. They ride in the same boat. But it wasn't my place to allow that to happen. Now, if I'd have started moving around all the time, what would have happened? My Christian roots would have diminished. There would be no fruit coming off of me. Eventually, spiritually, I would have died. What would that have done? It probably would have affected my wife. It most certainly would have affected my children. Do you see how the devil works? That's what he does. Don't forget, he hates you very much. He hates you very much. Many people go from church to church, traveling, and they're easily offended. If they don't agree with something that is done, they're offended and they go. They are blind. I want you to pay attention to this statement here. They are blind to any of their own character flaws and do not realize God wanted to refine and mature them through the pressure they were under. Remember me telling you a few weeks ago about gold? The impurities come out in the fire. When the fire comes, God's showing us the impurity. And guess what? God already knew those impurities were there. He knew it from the very beginning. You know what? Each of us got impurities in us this morning. Let me see your hand if you believe that. The ones of you raise your hand and believe that, you can probably be set free this morning. The ones that don't, you don't see the character flaws. Now, I don't mean to single nobody out. I didn't look around. I hope you didn't either. It ain't your place to look around. That's their walk with Jesus. But the point is, is if we deny that, it's somebody else's fault. That's what the devil wants you to know. That's one of the traps. See, the gardener doesn't listen to the plant. Every time that a storm would come, if a tree cried out and said, you know what, it's time to move me, and the gardener picked it up and moved it, it would eventually get to the place of no fruit and death. Right? You do a whole lot of transplanting, that's exactly what happens. we got to remember this. Jesus, God Almighty, is the gardener. Remember when we read some scripture? You're where he put you. You get out of his will, you're alone. 
you separate yourself from the herd, exactly what the devil sets out to do. And I've seen it happen, folks. I have seen it happen. That that separation starts happening, and it goes to this one, and it goes to that one, and it goes to that one, and you get years later, and families are going, what in the world happened? And they usually got somebody, one or two, three people they're going to blame for it. No, that's not true. The reason you got separated is you let the devil set a trap for you and you got caught in it. That's a good amen, Brother Rusty. That's a very good amen. And the next thing you know, everything's falling apart throughout everybody. Why? You open the door, let the devil come walking in. And he hates you. Don't forget that. The devil hates you. But see, when a tree goes through these growth spurts, dealing with these storms, dealing with droughts, dealing with all kinds of things, what happens to it is it gets stronger. Its roots will go deeper when drought happens so that it will be able to find water. When it gets deeper roots, when the winds come, they can't shake it. It doesn't get uprooted. It grows and it grows. And in the best of times, it gets to the place that it can bear fruit. If you move it, it don't bear fruit anymore. It feels good. It likes life. It, oh, it's loving things. But it ain't bearing the fruit that God wanted. Storm comes in your life. God says you need it. Embrace it. Embrace the storm. And say, now, Lord, help me to get through it. And you know what? It's not going to always be a comfortable thing. But you know why? It's because the flesh is trying to hang on. But if the spirit gets the wind... Victory comes a whole lot sooner. The Hebrew children spent 40 years roaming around on a three-day trip. All because of their unbelief, their complaining to God, didn't like what God was doing. God says, okay, fine. You're still mine. I still love you. But if you like eating manna all day, every day, and struggling for water, and Wishing you were back in Egypt, if that's the life you want to live, okay. I'm still God. Something in them still packed up whenever the, whenever the cloud moved or when the fire moved. Something in them still packed up. But God says, you can get it any time now. But a whole generation of people perished in the wilderness because they didn't get it. It was the next generation that got to, and every generation's had their problems. Look around you. You're looking at imperfect people saved by the grace of God and by His mercy. Amen. Thank God for that. Thank God for that. Amen. Thank God for that. But boy, when we lock shoulders and we get locked shoulders and we get on board with the, with the Holy Ghost and He starts working in us. Oh, we become a powerful army, Brother Danny. We get to become an army that when people get down and out, we're able to get there and help pick them up. When one of us gets a little weak, we can help each other up. That's what we do. That's what we're called to do. That's what the fire is about. That's what the, all the trials that we go through is to grow us. Grow us into being what God wants us to be. People in Florida realize and understand and they don't like it when it happens but they do know this, that whenever a cold spout hits on Florida you know it always hits the news and the first thing they tell us, you know, orange juice is going to be $8 a gallon next year because there's a frost coming. They already done figured out it's all going to die away and they're going to raise the prices and then we go to bed worrying about it. The Bible tells us not to worry so quit it. Quit worrying. 
When you're worrying and you're putting yourself in a place God didn't tell you to go to, He told you not to. But everybody in Florida knows that one of those cold spouts like that, the orange juice is sweeter. Look it up. It's on the internet. If you don't want to believe me, look it up. It's on the internet because it's true. Whenever they go through these things, they have better fruit. Remember Luke 6 and 13, 6 through 9 that we talked about at the start of this message. We should not resist the very thing that God sends to mature us. We should be embracing it. We should be seeking God. We should be praying. We should be fasting. We should be letting God come in and do what it is He wants to do. If we do that, the trial ends a whole lot sooner. Amen? Psalms 1 and 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. Let's go to Psalms 119-165. Boy, that's a jump, isn't it? Great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. Do you love his law? then nothing will cause us to stumble. Let's go back to Psalms 1 and verse 3. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now I'm going to break that down for you. What he basically says is a believer who chooses the delight of the Word of God in the midst of any kind of adversity will avoid being offended. That's what he's telling us. We'll hang on to the law of God. We'll hang on to the word of God. Everything that comes out of his mouth, everything that's in the Bible will come to our hearts. Why? Because we meditate on it. We bring it in. It comes out in those times of storms. It comes out so that we can lean on and depend on him and we will not become offended. That person will be like those whose roots search deep and where the spirit provides strength and nourishment. He will draw from the well of God that is deep within his spirit. This will mature him to the point where adversity will now become a catalyst for bearing fruit. I told you we got to give God glory. Anybody in here this morning going through a storm? Amen. Amen. I'm going to raise both of my hands and my feet too if I could. But I will tell you this, hang on to God because he's building you into something that's going to be bearing much fruit. Hang on to that. He's building you into something that is going to be bearing much fruit. Your testimony might be the very thing that's going to help a brother that's sitting two aisles over and six rows back. Your testimony might be the very thing that they need to hear to know that yes, God does work in these situations. And He may not work it out exactly like He did in yours, but remember this, the devil hates you and God loves you and He ain't trying to destroy you. Amen? Can we give Him some praise this morning? He loves you. He loves you. He loves you.
And he ain't the one doing the destroying. Mark chapter 4 and verse 16. I'm about finished, y'all. These likewise are the ones sown on the stony ground who when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with gladness. And they have no root in themselves. And so endure only for a time afterward when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble. See, once you leave the place that God has chosen for you, your root system begins to dwarf. The next time it will be even easier for you to flee from adversity because you have not been careful to root yourself deeply in the Word. You end up coming to the place where you have little or no strength to endure hardship or any kind of persecution. And that's at the point that you become a spiritual vagabond. You know what a vagabond is? A wanderer. You ever seen wanderers before? Seem like they got no purpose at all. Bouncing from one place to the next for a meal. Bouncing from one place to the next for a handout. A wanderer. Wandering around. Wandering around. Wanderers are suspicious of all kinds of people. Go down a dark alley some night in D.C. where the homeless sleep. They're suspicious of everybody that walks through and they'll hurt you if they can because they're afraid you're trying to take something from them. That's what happens. Whenever we get separated, we get suspicious of everybody. We think everybody's trying to mistreat us. And even though we're crippled and hindered, we can't bear fruit. We can't do what God has told us to do. You remember Cain and Abel, right? I'm going to read this real quick. Genesis 4, 11 and 12. Now some of you cursed from... No, that's not what it says. Let me try that again. I'll put these on and it'll help. So now you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield its strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond, you shall be on the earth. You remember Cain and Abel, right? Adam and Eve's boys. Now, you remember, I'm going to go back. Adam and Eve was in the garden, and they ate from the fruit, right? Sin entered into the world. Adam stood by his woman, says, I'm going to eat too. I'm going to go down with her. Very noble thing. Stupid, but noble. Actually, it's not because it really shows us how Jesus does for us, to be truthful with you. He became sin for us. So they're hiding. Adam's usually having a walk with God in the garden every day, and they're hiding. And God says, where are you? Now, how many of you know God already knew where he was? God already knew what had happened. So understand that today when you walk out of church, you ain't hiding. You might hide it from me and everybody else. It doesn't matter what you hide from me. I ain't the judge. God knows. Not only does he know this right here, Ken took the lid off the bottle, took a drink. No, Ken knows, uh, God knows what's sitting in Ken's heart right now. Better than Ken does. That's why the trials come so that I can see it. You understand? 
defiles come so we can see the impurity that God already knows about. So they're, they're uh, I'm going to get a drink. Oh, excuse me, that sure does hit the spot. So they cover themselves with fig leaves, but God says, no, we're not going to do that. I require a sacrifice. So he kills an animal and he covers them with animal skins, right? That's where we get the sacrifice thing, the shedding of blood for the remission of sins, all the stuff they had to do in the temple, all goes right back to that place there. But you see, Adam and Eve got to learn that lesson and the boys should have learned it too. But that was the problem. The problem was Cain gets out and he tills up a, a, a patch of ground and me and Mr. Hensley know this well. You can grow more rocks than you can garden stuff. He's been carrying for 50, 60 years and he still ain't got rid of them. If I get to keep gardening it when he's gone, I'll be carrying them. And they'll still be growing. But he got out and he worked the ground. And it, I'm going to tell you, when you grow food, folks, it takes work. If you're lazy, you won't grow nothing. Well, my garden didn't do anything this year. Did you work it? Did you plow it? Did you till it? Did you cultivate it? Did you hoe it? Did you get down on your knees and pull weeds? I don't get all these scars on my knees from praying so much, y'all. I don't want y'all to think I'm super spiritual. If you see me in a pair of shorts, that's where I'm crawling through the ground because it hurts to bend over. Pulling weeds. I like laying on my belly when I pray. But he does all this work by his hands. And he comes to God with an offering. Oh, God, didn't I work so hard for you? And God says, oh, no, that's not what I'm looking for. His brother Abel, he's raising a flock. He kills one of the best, first best animals that he has as a sacrifice or an offering to God. And God accepts that one. What happens with Cain? He's offended. Who's he offended at? Right. By the way, that's a good place for a put one of them little marks like this on, you know, when you mess up in a page and you stick that mark in there so you write something above it and everybody knows to plug it in. Y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Anyway, the offense that you're carrying right now is against God. It's not against Danny. It's not against Danny Sr. It's not against Bobby. It's not against Ken. You're saying the, the offense you're carrying, it's against God because he told you how to get out of it. That's the truth, folks. I'm not leading you down some kind of line here, okay? That's the truth. And his problem was that he was offended at God because God didn't receive his hard work. You see, we're saved by grace, not by works. Oh, we need to work. We need to work in the church. We need to get the job done to raise souls up, to bring new souls in. We need to be doing that kind of a work. But that's not what God is so much looking for as he is obedience. Abel was obedient. Cain wasn't. So he takes his anger out on his brother. He spills his brother's blood on the ground. What does God say? He tells him, he says, look, I hear your brother's blood from the ground and you're going to work extra hard. 
Now, when you try to work and bring forth fruit, when you try to do these things, you're going to work extra hard. That's what he told him. And he told him this. I think I wrote the scripture down. Yeah, he told him, yeah, verse 12 there, that he would be a vagabond, a fugitive, and a vagabond you shall be on the earth. You see, he had works. He had religious works that wouldn't please him to God. Folks, we can't have religious works and expect them to be pleasing to God. No, it takes obedience. And when obedience falls into place, this other big old word offense goes out the door because we've got to do it his way. Amen? That's what he's teaching us. And he told him, he said, if you do good, I'll accept it. But if you do not choose life, then sin will be your master. You hear that? Sin will be your master if you don't choose to do it God's way. That's what he told him. You know what? He didn't give in to God. He didn't give in to God. Brothers and sisters, if you're sitting with offense on your heart this morning, whether you were rightfully wronged or whether you think you were wronged. If you don't do it God's way, you will die. Spiritually, you will die. That's what the Bible says. You will die. We have to do it how he says. Offended Christians do exactly like Cain did. We lose our ability to produce fruit. Jesus compared the heart of the, with the soil in the parable that I just read of the sower. Just as Cain's fields were barren, the soil of an offended heart is barren. It's poisoned with bitterness. Offended people still may experience miracles, words of utterance, strong preaching, and healing in their lives. Can I give you an example of that? Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. First two verses. I ain't even turned any of my notes that came out. I want to read it up here and trust y'all. No, I ain't. Let me pull it up. Oh, it's up there? Good. Though I speak with tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I have become a sounding power off. And a tinkling cymbal. Go to the next one, please. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that, so that I can remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. You can have the gifts and you can still operate in the gifts. That is not a sign that we don't have problems. Why did he use that as an example if it can't happen? Think about it. Just think about it. I'll let you come to your own conclusion on that, but that's telling me that something can happen. But let me tell you something, folks. These gifts are of the Spirit, and they're not fruit. We are judged according to the fruit and not the gifting. A gift is given, and fruit is something that is cultivated. And when we go through the trouble, it's the cultivating that's happening. It's the cultivating that God is bringing us around so that we have that kind of a fruit. We have the fruit that He's telling us about. 
God never created us to live separately and independent of each other. He likes it when His children care for and nurture each other. He is frustrated when we sulk and feel sorry for ourselves, making everyone else responsible for our happiness. Boy, ain't that America today. If I ain't happy, it's your fault. If I'm happy, good. Still your fault. It's always your fault. It's never my fault. He wants us to be active members of His family. He wants us to get our life from Him and from His Word. And an isolated person seeks only his own desires, not God's. He receives no counsel and he sets himself up for deception. We're living in a day and age that I try and try and try and try to give counsel to folks. And they receive it not. They go find somebody else. What's your bend on it? But folks, it's the Bible. There is only one bend on the Bible. Only one bend on the Bible. That's it. It's that simple. Well, what do you think? Get on your knees and start praying and talk to God. Call me. I'll help you through it. I'll love you through it as much as I possibly can. But you know what? This separation, this division, these kinds of things that come about did not come from heaven. They come from the devil and he hates you. Never forget that. Most of these things that I'm talking about, folks, I'm not talking about the season that God moves us as individuals to do things. Those times do happen, but we go out with peace. Most of these people will wander from church to church, relationship to relationship, and isolate themselves in their own little world. They think that all who do not agree with them are wrong and against them. Oh, folks, let me tell you something. Just because we're different don't mean we're divided. Amen? Now, my house smells different than yours. Don't make it wrong. Don't make it right. It's mine. I make cornbread different than you probably make cornbread, but it's still cornbread. We don't divide over that because it's something that's different. I drive a Ford. Amen. Sister Frances is with me on that one, unless she's in her Chevrolet. <laughs> but there are some things that are differences that are not divisions. They only become divisions if we make them such. We protect ourselves in isolated environments where we feel safe and in control of the environment that we have set up for ourselves. Those kinds of people no longer have the comfort from the... They are no longer have the ability to confront their own character flaws. Rather than facing the difficulties, they try to escape the test. The character development that comes only as they work through the conflicts with others is lost as the cycle of offense begins again. Remember I told you, you fail the test, you get to take it again. Whatever's tripped you up, the devil will come back with again. Deal with it, you, don't have, you, know, how to, you know how to, okay, there's the trap. Don't deal with it. It's a matter of time, you'll get set up again and you'll go through the same test again. Picking up an offense keeps you from seeing your own character flaws because you always blame someone else for it. The test is yours, brothers and sisters. You sleep good at night blaming someone else you still got the problem. The devil's still sitting there with you. 
still hounding you, still tripping you. And God says, I have the way. The way. Stand to your feet this morning, if you would, please. I want us to be able to walk out of this church this morning different than what we came in. I don't want us walking out of this building and being spiritual vagabonds. Having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. See, when we don't do the word, that's denying the power thereof. The Bible tells us to pray for one another, doesn't it? Am I right on that? It does tell us to pray for one another. I want to ask you this morning. I started last week and I want us to actually do what the book says. I want you to find somebody that is not your spouse. They could be your family member. And if you ain't married, find somebody that ain't your girlfriend, Tommy. I'm messing with you, son. Don't worry about it. And I want you to meet up wherever they are. You can come up to the altar if you want to. And I want you to pray for them. And I want them to pray for you. You can share as much as you need to or as much as you want to. That's up to you. But folks, until we actually start putting this book into action, I just stand up here and preach. Some of you, amen, and we go home and nothing changes. So I'm giving you the opportunity this morning. Let's put the book in action. Can we do that? And let's get to the place that we're not walking around with offenses sitting on us that they don't belong to us. They came from somebody who hates you very much. And he don't want you going to pray with nobody right now. He's telling you don't do it. Don't let that preacher tell you what to do. Folks, I talk to God about it. And I'm telling you, this is what God wants. You can believe it or not. So let's do it. Can we do that this morning? Give us some music this morning, guys. I want you guys praying, okay? Give us some music this morning if you can. Brother George. Short notice, I know, but be instant in season and out, the Bible says. Find someone and pray with them. Fill out your prayer request forms. I'm going to pray right here where I'm at, and maybe some of the things that I pray, it might spark something in your spirit this morning.